Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here he is. See a few more smiles this morning. Is it, is it because I'm up here? The Cubs are going to the World Series. If you're new to our church, my name is Jared. Uh, I'm one of the pastors on staff. And as I begin this morning, I want to read the text we're going to look at. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 through 9. And if you have a Bible, you can follow along. Otherwise, it'll be on the slides. And this is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by, by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This morning we're going to continue on in this series on prayer. And I don't know about you, but I've been very humbled through this series because I realize how much I need to grow in my own personal prayer life. There's so much more that God needs to do in me as a man who prays. This morning, I want to talk about what I believe to be one of the elephants in the room when it comes to prayer. Sometimes you pray, and God shows up in an amazing an even miraculous way to say yes to what you're praying for. I look back on my life and see how many moments that God has been faithful and he's answered prayer in my life. We celebrate and love those stories and moments. And it strengthens our faith and our resolve that prayer really does make a difference. And yet other times we can pray faithfully, persistently, and with faith before God. And we do not get that yes to our prayer. But the answer seems to be either no or not yet. And it leaves us wondering and wrestling with questions like, God, do you even hear me when I cry out to you in prayer? Do my prayers really matter? God, are you listening to me? And I want to share personally uh, with how I've had to wrestle with some of these questions and tensions in my own relationship with God. And this could get ugly, depending on how I'm doing emotionally. I just want to give you a heads up. I don't know how this is going to go. I've always loved sports both watching and playing them. And as I entered the adult years of my life, I struggled to find time to play sports. But I realized as I got older, I needed some sort of hobby 
I needed something in my life just to enjoy and to have fun. And over the years, I had run a few 5Ks. And about five years ago, I ran a 5K. And I decided to stick with running. I had run one year cross country in high school. But honestly, I had never cared much for running. And as I stuck with it, though, I finally began to experience that runner's high. And I found the hobby I was longing for after all these years. Running became a joy for me. I know for some of you that just does not make sense. You can't figure out how that could possibly be. But I felt free when I ran. I felt alive and connected to God. Running became such a gift and blessing in my life, and I thank God for those moments, those memories. I ran a couple half marathons and then had the privilege to finish the Chicago Marathon in 2013. As I share about this area of my life, I want to read for you some of my journal entries throughout this journey. And these aren't Dear Diary entries. This is me talking to God and praying to God, uh, both in the joy and in the struggle that this would become for me. And these are unedited, unedited prayers, so don't judge me. <laughs> they might be a little raw. October 21st, 2013, ran the Chicago Marathon. I'm so grateful to have finished and done as well as I did. Those last few miles were incredibly tough, but you gave me new strength. Thank you, Lord. I just want to surrender my running and ask that you continue to use it for good in my life and for your glory. After that first marathon, I thought uh, this was the beginning of a lifelong journey and hobby, and I would be able to run into old age. And the following summer, after playing football one day, I woke up the next morning with a really sore hip. I didn't think much of it. I waited about a week. I tried to run on it. It didn't feel right. Days turned into weeks, and the pain and the discomfort didn't go away. There were stretches where the pain was so intense, I couldn't sleep at night. And worse than the physical pain, the emotional pain of not being able to run began to set in. And there were some dark moments for me in this journey. Back in those days, every time I would get in the car, I would drive by streets that I had run. I would see other runners running, people who were a lot older than me, people who didn't look much like runners to me. And again, there was bitterness here. And the question that was echoing in my heart is, God, why do they get to run and I do not? Weeks turned into months and then doctor visits and MRIs and referrals, finally to a hip specialist and surgeon. The next journal entry, February 6, 2015. I saw the hip doctor for the first time yesterday. 
It looks like surgery is needed, but the hard thing was hearing that, that, there, that there's no guarantee about running in the future. I couldn't believe it. I don't want to give up, but my heart is broken that I might lose running altogether. Why would you take this away from me? I don't understand. Three days later, God, the thought of not being able to run is, again is crushing me. I thought this was going to be my thing. And now it feels like it's being ripped away. Not just temporarily, but forever. I feel so broken and hurt right now. March 18th. Lord, my hip is getting worse. The pain is becoming more burdensome. I pray for your care and covering and for full restoration. Worse than the physical pain is the emotional pain and grief with not being able to run. There's obviously moments here of intense struggle before God. Trying to process through why is this happening. But there were moments where God was at work and I was beginning to surrender and just still acknowledge his goodness. April 15, 2015, T-2 days to surgery. I am ready, Lord. Let your will be done. And may you bring full healing and recovery to my body. I praise you and acknowledge you are still good. Always good. Surgery seemed to be a success and physical therapy went very well. Uh, My physical therapist who Jane Yoon recommended to me was awesome. He was so encouraging to me. He was very hopeful that I would be able to run again. I waited until four months after the surgery and I got on a treadmill, just doing like 30 seconds at a time, and it felt okay, but eventually the pain in my hip came back. At this time, I'm learning to be patient and to not rush things. I told myself, I'm going to wait six months, and in the spring, I'll try running again. And that was this, this past March, and I was actually at a, a Christian conference. And one of the speakers was, was talking about how the enemy wants to crush hope in the people of God. And that really just inspired me, and I wrote this in my journal. Allender shared that part of the working of evil is to lose hope. I couldn't help but think of running again and how much I lost hope. I want to hope again with your blessing and permission. I want to experience the gift of running. Lord, will you permit me and bless me in this way? I know nothing is impossible with you. A couple weeks later, I started simply just doing 30-second jogs down the street, and my hip felt okay when I did it. And then two weeks later, things got bad again. The pain came back uh, for about a month. And all throughout this process, a surgeon kept recommending swimming as an alternative. Have you considered swimming? I was reluctant because it just didn't feel like the same as running. But last month, we joined another gym so I could start swimming. And things were going well for a few weeks, 
And then the pain in my hip came back again. Many prayers have been lifted up by myself and others, which I'm extremely grateful for. Many people have encouraged and supported me throughout all of this, especially Yvonne and my, and my family. Many tears have been shed in private moments before God. And yet today I stand before you as a man whose hip is still messed up. A man who desperately wants to go for just a simple jog, but I can't. And it pains me deeply. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to run again. One of the hardest parts in all this is that I believe, like many of you do, that our God heals. That our God, in a moment, could step in his all power and authority to restore this hip of mine. And yet he's chosen not to at this time. And I know this morning I'm not alone. I'm not alone in the experience of prayers being answered with a no or a not yet. Maybe for you, you feel lost or stuck in your job or your career. And every day you go to work and it hits you in the face. It's so discouraging. It's eating away at you. And you've prayed many times for God to provide something else or to show you his plans for your life. And there's been no open door or clear direction from God yet. Maybe you and your spouse have been trying to get pregnant. As each month passes, it's beyond disappointing. It's tormenting you. It's a place of agony and discouragement. You keep crying out to God, that he would bless you with a child. And the answer so far is no, or at least not yet. Maybe you have someone in your life who you dearly love, whether it's a child or a parent or a friend, and they are in an intense emotional or physical struggle. And week after week you watch them not getting better, but getting worse. And you're praying. You're crying out to God, but you feel helpless as a parent or a child or a friend. And you can't help but ask God, why? Why is this happening? Whatever your struggle with God, saying no or not yet to your prayers, I want you to know you're not alone. In this journey, my heart deeply grieves for you if you're in this place where you're crying out to God and the answer has been no or not yet. And I really believe the Word of God is going to help us this morning. It's not going to fix the issue or struggle 
you have. But it's going to help us learn how to process and navigate through how do we come before God when he hasn't said yes to our prayers. We're going to look at this text from 2 Corinthians. And I want to remind you, this is a personal letter that Paul is writing to a group of friends, a group of believers. Yes, it is the word of God, but it reveals Paul's personal experience of life and his own relationship with God. And we're going to see how God says no to Paul's prayers. God said no to Paul's prayers and how God leads him through it. So we're going to start in verse 7. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. First observation here. Paul is talking about a very personal, private matter and struggle in his own life. And he's writing, again, a very public letter. It's kind of like when someone posts on Facebook something very personal, and you're like, ooh, I'm not sure they should have done that or not. And Paul probably doesn't know at the time This will be read by millions of people through being a part of Scripture. And I imagine, just in a lighthearted moment, Paul hanging out in heaven right now. Maybe he's taking a nap. And the Apostle Peter wakes him up with this big grin on his face. He says, Paul, down there on earth, they're talking about your thorn again. And Paul just shakes his head, why did I ever put that in this letter? The truth is, in this text, Paul is very open and honest. And he talks about, I will boast about my weaknesses. He doesn't hide his struggle from others. So the million-dollar question is, what is the thorn? Straight truth is, we don't know for sure. Scripture is vague on this, and I think there's a purpose in the vagueness. If Paul was specific about his thorn, it'd be so easy for so many of us to dismiss it. Well, I don't struggle with that. I could give you some of the theories that commentators have suggested, but I believe that would only sidetrack us this morning. Here's what's important to know about the thorn. In the original language here, thorn has two senses to the word. The first is a sense of a stake pinning you to the ground. I have the image of a WWF wrestling match and one wrestler throwing the other to the mat, pinning them to the ground. The sense we get from this aspect of the thorn is Paul is saying he is being pinned down by God. That Paul is being humbled through his thorn. The second sense of the word thorn is that of a bad splinter. Ever gotten a splinter before? It really doesn't hurt that much. 
The bigger deal with a splinter is you know it shouldn't be in your hand, and you just want it out. It's more the emotional struggle. I want to get this out of my body. The thorn was constantly nagging at Paul and really taking away from his experience of joy in this life. It had become not only a source of irritation, but of real discouragement for him. And Paul says here he's not only given a thorn, but a messenger of Satan came to torment him with it. There's debate whether the thorn was given by God or given by the enemy. But I think it's safe to say that God allowed the thorn in Paul's life for a reason, and the enemy tried to use the thorn in Paul's life to torment him and discourage him. These thorns in our lives become areas that the enemy will try to swoop in and take advantage of us and assault us. He comes into our pain and our disappointment and our agony, and he wants to deceive us. See, God doesn't really care about you. Or where is God in all this? We have to be on guard to the enemy's attack. You know, all these aspects of Paul's thorn, I've experienced with my hip. God has used it to humble me. It's become an area of great discouragement and emotional agony for me. And an area where the enemy attacks me time after time again. And my guess for all of us is that one day, whether it's right now or not, you will experience some form of a thorn in your life. A hardship or a circumstance or or an ongoing struggle in your life that God has allowed for a reason but also where the enemy will come in and attack you. It'll be a place of great discouragement and frustration and agony for you. So what do we do? How do we respond to the thorns in our lives? I think there's many ways that we can respond. I want to talk about a few unhealthy ways I think we can respond to the thorn. It's not all of them, but there's four that I thought of. The first one is we can rationalize. With my hip, it's so easy for me to rationalize my injury away. I'm getting older. This is a normal breakdown of my body. This is to be expected. Another thing we do is we compare and we minimize. Other people have more difficult circumstances than I do. There's no doubt about that. So why would I complain about having a bad hip? Compare and minimize. Or we say, I'm going to conquer this one way or another. I'm going to fix this. It's all about my resolve and my strength to overcome. Another thing we do is we just stuff it. We hide it. We try to escape from it. We try to pretend it's not there, but it's not going away. 
You know, all these responses, there's some truth behind each one of them. That's the struggle. There's some truth behind it. But all these responses are unhealthy and that they're evasive. They neglect the struggle, the grief, and they just try to cover up the pain and not deal with it. The healthy response in dealing with your thorn is to turn and face God with it. To turn and face God with your thorn. And this is exactly what Paul does in this text. Verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times I pleaded before God, take this out of my life. And remember who this is. This is a man devoted to God and the gospel. No doubt about it. A man who gave his life to share about Jesus wherever he went. A man who was so close to God. And yet as he pleads in prayer for the thorn to be removed, it's clear from the text, God does not take away the thorn. God heard Paul's prayer and answers with a no. The thorn remains in your life, Paul. And I get it. In our struggle with our thorns, as we cry out to God, and we get a no or not yet, we often struggle with the question, God, are you listening? Are you listening when we don't get the answer we want? And our God's big enough to handle that question. So if you're in that place, come to him as you are. But I'm beginning to believe in these places, we're not getting the answer we would like. God is waiting for us to stop talking for a moment and to start listening. The question then changes from us asking God, God, are you listening to me? And it becomes, are we listening to God as we pray? And as we move forward in this passage, we'll see how God makes it clear that he is listening to Paul's prayer. But there's a change, there's a shift from Paul pleading and talking to Paul learning to listen to God. Let's be honest, when we think about prayer, as we've gone through this series, most of us equate praying with talking to God. Most of us who actually spend time praying spend a lot more time talking rather than listening to God. I know I do. And I sense this is an area where God wants to grow us as people who pray. Will we learn to listen to God as we pray? I believe that's the question before us this morning. Will we learn to listen to God as we pray? And we're going to see how God works in Paul. And eventually Paul was able to stop and he was able to hear from God. Let's go back to verse 7. 
in order to keep me from becoming conceited. I was given a thorn in the flesh. That first phrase, in order to keep me from becoming conceited. In some way, God revealed to Paul the purpose, or part of the purpose, of his thorn. In the midst of Paul's pleading and crying out to God, there was sort of moment where God stepped in and said, Hey, Paul, time out for a second. Stop talking for a moment. I know you want this thorn to be removed. I get it. But I'm not going to take it away from you. I'm, I've given you this thorn in order to keep you humble. It's a gift when God reveals the purpose of your struggle. Sometimes that happens, but often, it honestly, it remains a mystery. And then in verse 9, we're reminded very, very clearly that we have a God who has spoken and a God who speaks. We have a God who speaks to people, even today. Paul records something very specific that God speaks to him. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. God says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul, hear me. Listen to me right now. My grace will be enough. You don't need to be delivered from the thorn. I will shine my power and my glory through this. And I believe that God is still speaking that to us today. And the devastation and discouragement that our thorns have brought into our lives. God is reminding us, as badly as we want these things to be removed, his grace is enough. His power is made perfect in weakness. Brothers and sisters, hear this from God this morning. God's grace will be enough for you. God will shine his power and his glory through whatever you're struggling with. I'm beginning to believe more and more that my hip is the very area of my life that God wants to reveal his glory and his power and his grace to me in deep and significant ways. One thing I didn't mention earlier is that the type of surgery I had was arthroscopic surgery. So I don't know how they do it, but what they did is they drilled in three holes into my upper thigh to go in and to deal with whatever was going on in my hip. And to this day, I still have three scars on the, my upper thigh. That might be too much information. Brian, is that too much information for everybody? I don't know. <laughs> When I think about these three scars, I can't help 
But think of our God, who is three persons in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I look at my hip, and I see my hip is marked by God himself. God has allowed my hip to be wounded for a greater purpose than I know right now. My hip is marked for the glory of God. Can you begin to believe with me that the no or not yet in your prayers might be the very place that God reveals himself most intimately and most gloriously to you. As, what, as much as we want our thorns to be fixed, God might allow this weakness or this struggle or this hardship to remain in your life. So he can demonstrate his all-sufficient grace and his perfect power. And I really believe God wants to give himself to us in the midst of our thorns. And like Paul, in our places of pain and agony, I believe we need to learn to talk less and to listen more. That God wants to speak to us. This is something I've been trying to grow in my own prayer life. Learning to listen to God. And just to be quiet for a moment. Give him room to speak into my life. And I want to give us some practical encouragements in this area because I believe many of us aren't too sure about this whole idea of God speaking to people today or learning to listen to God. Or we're not even sure what that would even look like in our life. I want to give us four encouragements I believe this first one is probably the most important one. First, you need to believe that God still speaks to people today. This is a great hurdle and obstacle. And I believe the enemy is at work here. He wants to tell you, no, God does not speak today to people. My personal experience, my reading of Scripture, leads me to believe that God very much speaks to people today. But you might say, I don't know. I've never, I never heard God speak. This quote from Dallas Willard is very instructive for us. First of all, the fact that we do not hear God does not mean that God is not speaking to us. The fact that you do not hear God does not mean that God is not speaking to us today. And this could be a whole sermon in itself. But my encouragement to us right now is to start with faith. To start with believing that God still speaks to people today. Take that risk. Believe it to be true this morning. Second, make space in your life for quiet and stillness. Make space to slow down to be quiet and still. Eugene Peterson writes, Silence is indispensable. 
It is a commonly overlooked element in language, but it must not be. Especially, it must not be overlooked in the language of prayer. Listen, we live in a culture where speaking is always valued over silence and listening. And as an introvert, I feel that every day. Everybody's talking. I like to listen. And we live very noisy and busy lives. There's so many distractions around us. It's so hard to get quiet still. I struggle with this so much myself. But I've, I've been just been trying to start with just a few minutes of being quiet before God. To find a place and time of the day where you can quiet your heart and ask God for help to block out all the other streams of thoughts and tell God, I want to be still. God, I want to be quiet. God, I want to learn to begin to listen to you. Third encouragement. No, God will never speak something to you that's contrary to his character and his word. You know, our kids love to go bowling. I'm so glad that bowling alleys have those bumpers you can put in the gutters. Otherwise, it would be 10 frames of misery for our kids watching gutter ball after gutter ball. And that's what the word of God and God's character are for us in learning to listen to God. They're bumpers so we don't go into the gutter and how we discern God's voice in your life. If you sense God speaking to you to go up and punch your coworker in the face who's annoying you, I can guarantee you that is not God speaking to you. It's contrary to his word and his character. And just to note... I've never heard an audible voice. I've never heard an audible voice in my life. But there have been times where there's an impression on my heart or a thought that comes or a phrase or a word or image that over years I've been able to learn and sense that this is God. And often I will use scripture to confirm whether this lines up with God's heart and his word. Final encouragement, ask God questions to prompt you to listen to him. Ask God questions to invite him to speak to you. This is one of the questions I've been using recently. God, is there a word or a phrase you want to speak to me right now? Is there a word or a phrase that you want to give me right now. Another good question is, God, what does my heart most need right now? What does my heart most need right now? So hopefully these encouragements have alleviated some of the discomfort, um, but I really want to encourage us to be people as we pray to practice listening uh, to God. This morning, I didn't want to just talk about this. I want to, as we kind of wind down the message, I want to give us an opportunity to spend a few minutes listening 
to God right now. So I'm going to give us a few prompters, uh, a few guidance to get us ready. And then at the end of those prompters, I'm going to give you guys probably two, three minutes. I know it's not a lot of time. But just to take a moment to try to hear for God. The first prompt is find a posture that reflects a readiness to receive. So maybe for you that's closing your eyes so you can block out all the other images. Uh, It might be opening up your hands like this to show God that you are ready to receive from him. So do that now. Get in a posture um, that invites uh, and gets you ready to hear from God. Second prompter I want to give you is ask God right now for the grace to let all the other voices in your life, all the noises to be stilled so you can listen for his voice, to listen for one voice. Two more prompts. The next one is just tell God, I want to be quiet. I want to be still. I want to learn to listen to you. And the final prompt, and then I'll give you a couple minutes just to listen. Ask God, is there a word or a phrase that you want to speak to me right now? God, is there a word or phrase you want to speak into my life in this moment? I want to invite us back. And I just want to share a few more words before I close in prayer. Listening prayer takes practice. So don't get discouraged or give up too easily. Make space in your life for moments like just now. Just to stop. Stop talking. Learn to listen. Invite God to speak in your life. I believe it delights the heart of God when we seek to listen to him. I'll admit, in the midst of my journey with my hip, I've done so much more talking and not a lot of listening before God. But back in May, in the midst of a particularly difficult time, I sensed God saying to me, Jared, do you want a fixed hip or do you want me? Jared, do you want a fixed hip or do you want me? Part of me is like, come on, God. (laughs) Why do you have to put it that way? Because honestly, there's so many days that I just want a fixed hip rather than God. But I believe I'm missing out that God wants to give me himself that in this place that has become a thorn in my life there's intimacy to be found with God God wants to walk with you in your struggles he is not going to abandon you he is a good father and he has a plan and a purpose in your thorns Do not forget, God says to me, and he says to you, my grace 
is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. May we believe more and more that God is enough for us. That his grace is enough. And he wants to speak into our lives. So as we pray, may we be people that not just talk to God, but people who learn to listen to the one whose voice matters most in our lives. People that hear the voice of God day after day, year after year. Let's pray. God, forgive us for how often we are so busy talking that so often we've missed listening to you. And God, we know your Father's heart for us. We know you love us with an unshakable love. That you have good and perfect plans for your people. And yet, God, there are areas in our life that we are weighed down, God. We are struggling. So, God, we invite you in your graciousness to us, your generosity to us to speak to us. God, may we be found as a people who are hungry to hear from you and listen to you. Not for our own sake, God, but for your sake, that your power and glory would shine forth to the ends of this earth and through our very own lives and struggles. We pray this in the great name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.